Did you know that during its heyday in the 1950s and 1960s, roller derby events could attract crowds of over 50,000 fans? We'll discuss this and other interesting facts about the fascinating world of roller derby with rookie roller derby queen Cindy McCoy and screenwriter Tina Field Howe on this episode of The Curious Professor. I'm Dr. B. Welcome to the Curious Professor podcast, where I take listeners on a journey of discovery to explore the people, places, artifacts, and natural wonders that spark my curiosity. In this episode of the Curious Professor podcast, we'll explore the fascinating world of roller derby with international roller derby star Cindy McCoy and screenwriter Tina Field Howe. But first, a trivia question. What boxing champion has a roller derby star in his family? I'll have the answer for you at the end of this episode. I'm thrilled to have Cindy McCoy and Tina Field Howe on the show today. International roller derby star Cindy McCoy had the honor of being awarded both Rookie of the Year and Roller Derby Queen. She was the only person to achieve both honors in the same season. Before Tina Field Howe became a screenwriter, she wrote novels and short stories. While she was outlining her third book in the series, she decided to try screenwriting and for the last nine years has concentrated her creative time on screenplays, long and short, proof of concept scripts, treatments, concept posters, and pitch materials. She recently completed a writing assignment for Canadian producer Hard Hat Entertainment, her first animation with lyrics project. The producer has been able to get the projects into some big production companies. Tina's scripts have won and placed in several contests. A few years ago, Tina wrote the screenplay Beyond All Odds, The Cindy McCoy Story, which is based on Cindy McCoy's young life leading up to her becoming an international roller derby star. Tina is also a creativity coach and helps fellow writers of all ages nearly every day by commenting on their scripts, proofreading and editing, lending advice, and helping them gain confidence. A career in writing can be tough, and she's always happy to offer survival tips. Full disclosure, I've known Cindy and Tina for years. I'm the author of Cindy's authorized biography, Hell on Wheels, the incredible story of rookie roller derby queen Cindy McCoy. And Tina and I know each other as members of a tight-knit screenwriting community. When I found out that Tina created a proof-of-concept script for Beyond All Odds, the Cindy McCoy story, and that it's placing well in screenwriting contests, my curiosity was immediately piqued. I hope this interview with Cindy and Tina will spark your curiosity, too. Welcome to the show, Cindy and Tina. It's great to have you here. Cindy, you've stated publicly that you had a difficult youth with abuse and abandonment. Would you tell us a little bit about your background and how it led to you getting into roller derby? Well, as a young girl growing up, I had a sister who had cerebral palsy and my mother was uh, always busy maintaining and taking care of her. And then they put her in the state home and training school in Wheat Ridge, Colorado. And then once my sister had gone up there, my parents split up, separated, and my dad moved out, which was just devastating to me because I was always daddy's girl. And um, from there, things kind of went downhill. My mom got a job and she wasn't home much. And 
when school got out that's that year, uh, they took me out. My grandmother and my mother took me out to my aunt and uncles who lived in Elbert, Colorado. And I was disposed to stay there for two weeks. Well, at the end of two weeks, my aunt and uncle took me back into the city and no mom. She had taken off with some man and went to California. And my grandmother told my aunt and uncle that she couldn't take care of me, didn't know where my dad was. So my aunt and uncle took me back to their home and uh, put me in school at Elbert, Colorado. And for two years, I finally settled down. And I was always very, very ashamed. And I always pretended like I wanted to be there because I wanted to go to school at Elbert, Colorado and be able to ride horses. That was my story. And uh, then about two years later, my mother shows up with her boyfriend. And then they decided since it was summer that they would take me to California for a holiday. So we went to California, went through uh, Knott's Berry Farm, Disneyland, Universal Studios. And it was just all exciting because I had never been to a big city like that before in my life. So then I talked with my mom and we decided that I would stay there and try and go to school in California and stay with them. So they rented another house with the, they had two bedrooms and uh, I started school there and things are going along. And my um, mom and her boyfriend took us, took me to the roller derby. It was the first time I'd ever seen roller derby and I fell in love with it. And the Gazette that they had, we bought, there was an ad in there advertising for people to sign up for their training school. And I got so excited and I pleaded and begged my mom for weeks if I could try out because she, that is the one thing my mom and I did at Young was we went to Skateland in Colorado Springs and that's where I learned to roller skate and I was very good at it. So they we went down to the training center and I had my skates and I thought I was all ready to go hop on the track. And then I got my bubble busted because they informed me I didn't have the right kind of skates. I had to have a 45 degree angle skate. So I had to save up money in order to buy the pair of skates so that I could enter the training school. My mother signed the release and I started the training down in some old warehouse downtown in LA. And uh, I just, you know, I worked hard at it and uh, took my lumps and bumps. And then they had amateur games. And we used to skate again. We had our teams in our training group. And so we skated in the Olympic Auditorium, our amateur games prior to the pro games. And from there, I got picked up and I skated on several different teams. And I, the offer was made to me to travel to Australia on the international Thunderbird team. So I went down to Australia and skated down there with the Australian team. And um, we traveled. Uh, our home base was in Sydney. And we went to Melbourne and Brisbane. And each week we traveled around. I felt like a gypsy. Uh, it, was, it was a rough schedule. And sometimes we had to go to Adelaide or Perth to skate an extra game. So, it, but it was really fun. And I just loved the Australian people. They, they treated us like we were royalty. The fans were incredible. And even to this day, I have contact with fans that knew me when they were young and when I was young. And it's just, uh, you know, lifelong friends. And with the internet, it really makes it so much easier today. And it was back in my 
uh, younger years. As a professional roller derby player, you were the only person ever to be awarded Rookie of the Year and Roller Derby Queen. How did that come about? Okay, the National Skating Derby, they put out uh, like a promo to the fans, the Australian fans, and they wanted them to select their person that they thought deserved the award. And I won both awards because of the Australian people. That is something that has never been broken. And it's been about as held now for 54 years. And uh, that is quite an accomplishment to have the fans in three cities participate in this promo. And they all selected me. I was so proud. I just broke down in tears. I couldn't believe it. Yeah. And it was just such an incredible feeling. And when they announced it, the stadium just it was so loud. You thought it was just going to come down on you. I mean, the pride, you know, and I just broke out in tears. I couldn't help it. I was so embarrassed because I was crying. And um, that was that was awesome. Well, it sounds like it was a very impactful experience for you, and especially at such a young age. Yes, it was because when we traveled, you know, and then we come back to our home base in Sydney, I had my own flat. You know, I was pretty well isolated because I had to be because of my age. And uh, so it, it got pretty, pretty lonesome sometimes, you know, when you didn't have any immediate somebody there to talk to. And uh, so the fans became my family. And I have regulars that would always come down and have something different for me to sign. And uh, I mean, I just, I just, uh, and they had potluck dinners for us and invited us over for dinner. You know, they just were warm. And uh, the frogmen, we went out looking for sharks on one of their boats. I guess that's what you call it, frogmen. And, uh, and we were trolling for sharks. And then they fixed a meal and we were sitting there eating and they gave me a hard time because they told me I didn't know how to handle my silverware because you know, like we cut our meat and we change hands and eat. Well, they don't. They just keep their fork upside down and put some potatoes on it or whatever and take a bite of the food. And then while they're chewing that, they're getting their next bite ready. And they told me I just wasted entirely too much time. (laughs) They were giving me a hard time. Your large fan base still supports you today. What is the most meaningful thing a fan ever said to you? I think the most important thing that some is they made me understand how important important our skating was to their young children. I had one little girl and one, we were running late and I didn't get to sign her book for her. And she got really hurt and was crying. And the mother and father came down at the next game with the daughter and made sure they got me to sign the book. And the mother told me, you know, she was just devastated because I didn't get to sign it for her last time. And that made you realize how important you were to them in helping them trying to aspire to do something in the with their lives and being a strong pageant to myself that I could be that important to someone. And that, that just stuck with me and gave me strength to push forward and try to always make sure I never shunned anybody. If somebody wanted a signature, you take the time and you do it because it's important. Just that little gesture. And you acted as a role model for young women. Yes. And what's what uh, what is really incredible to me is roller derby started back in the 30s during the Depression. And, you know, this was something where men and women played under the same rules. You know, the men, the women skated the first 15 minutes 
minutes, 12 or 15, whatever they decided to do. And then the men would come on and we'd go back and forth and then you'd have halftime and then the, we'd skate the second half. And to me, we were trailblazers for women's sports today. And it's just so important that young women understand, go out there, play your sport, work hard, do your due diligence. And um, I think we really need to protect our women's sports so that women, young girls, come be young women, can go to the Olympics. It helps them learn to be strong in decision-making. And I think it helps them in life in general. You mentioned that you did blaze a trail for young women in the female-dominated sport that it is today. What impact do you feel you still have on the roller derby world? Well, number one, I have my book out, which is still in the ratings. After oh, this, he was at June of 2012. 2012, yep. Yeah, it's still out there. It's still hanging out there in the rankings. And everybody who reads it, you know, comes up with a different idea, but it's motivational to people. Well, I could do that too. Or I've experienced that. I need to be stronger. Uh, so that I think is is out there. It's still doing well. And I have gotten really good response from it. Then I have my webpage and it's been out there and it has a lot of history and a lot of information on it for the sport and for the games. And I think that it's motivational people. And I forget how many hits I've had over the years, but it's way up there in the numbers because they had to start the count all over again. So I don't have a real number on that. And I'm in a hundred and hundred and four countries. Wow. that's so, so it goes worldwide. It's not just here stateside. That's fantastic. What advice do you have for young people who are interested in getting into the sport? Well, today, I think it's a lot harder. I know in the bigger cities, they have flat tracks and the girls are still trying to keep it going. If you really you want to do this, you'll have to do a lot of research, seek them out and go out and see if you can cut the, you know, make the grade to skate on their teams. But if they can, they ought to go have fun and get strong. You'll get lumps and bumps and bruises because <laughs> that flat track is a lot harder than, than the bank track because we had a little give there, but uh, uh, the speed is uh, not as fast as the bank track. And uh, But they wear a lot more protection and padding and stuff than what we did because we didn't have, we didn't wear helmets. We had a little tiny, like none, like a sponge for an elbow pad, a little tiny thin thing for your tailbone, which didn't help protect you very much. And uh, so I think if they're interested in it, seek it out and go try out and give it your all and have fun doing it. If you can't get into that, you can go to flat tracks and you can practice skating there or you can get into tennis or any of the other sports that women can compete in and just put your whole heart and soul into it and you'll become a stronger much better person. Thank you so much for being here, Tina. Tell us a little bit about your background as a novelist and screenwriter. Um, I started writing novels like in the early 2000s and about, they're like science fiction novels about a teenage girl on another planet similar to Earth, but she had to reach down and become, you know, find the hero that lives in herself. And that's basically what all my characters have to do <laughs> that I write about. Um, and about 10 years ago, I switched to screenwriting because screenwriting is just such a more visual. I'm a much more visual writer. So screenwriting seemed to work very well. And so I've been taking classes and working on writing script over the years. And a couple of years ago, Cindy contacted me about writing her story as a, as a screenplay. 
so I did that. I'm in the process of rewriting it now. I'm restructuring it so it's a little different. Um, I think it'll be much more exciting the way that I'm restructuring it. But the reason I really started restructuring it was because I started working on writing proof of concept script. A proof of concept is like a five or six page uh, screenplay extracted from the story. And as I was working on writing that proof of concept, how do I set this whole thing up? So we get that it's a roller derby movie. We always also get that it's a very personal movie about Cindy's life. It's the title is Beyond All Odds, the Cindy McCoy story. It takes into account her young life and how tough it was. And it moves her up to the point where she actually overcomes a couple of really big antagonists that were in her life and among family members. So in writing that little short script, I figured out how I wanted to redesign the structure of the feature length. Screenplay. So right now, we haven't heard the results yet, but right now that screenplay, the proof of concept is in the top 20 of a competition, but we haven't got results yet. So I don't know where mine plays. We'll see. It's exciting anyway. It's extremely exciting. What was it about Cindy McCoy's story that piqued your interest and made you passionate about writing the screenplay based on her life? Well, believe it or not, we're close to the same age. And when she was in the early 60s doing her roller derby thing, I was roller skating. I was a crazy, crazy roller skater myself. We had a slate sidewalk that ran up my street and you could get going like crazy on a slate sidewalk with your regular shoe skates even. And so that, for I understand roller skating, not that I was ever a pro, but I understand that I also was an ice skater, every, everything you can do, a real tomboy. So when Cindy and I started talking about her story and I read her book, I got really inspired. You know, I said, yeah, I'd really, really like to do the story. I feel a really strong connection to it. It's really important to feel a connection to whatever you're writing. Was there anything that you found surprising about roller derby as you were doing research and writing the screenplay? Well, we used to watch it on TV. After school, it used to show. We used to come home and watch roller derby. I really didn't understand the rules of the game. So Cindy gave me all these resources that I could go back and read the rules and really understand the game. I just don't recall really understanding it. I think I just used to like to watch skaters go around So when I was in school. So the rules, I think, I mean, it's a really well thought out game. I knew that it could get kind of violent, kind of really aggressive. I'd seen that on TV. And other than that, you know, I just learned as I went along and learned so many things about the game. And it's just an incredible opportunity that Cindy had. A lot of fun. And, and the travel involved must have been incredibly fun for her. Especially at such a young age to have that big of an experience and adventure. Right. Because she was, what, 14 when she started? So, wow. I mean, that's really young. And she was very petite, you know. They used to call you the baby, Cindy, right? So uh, that must have been extremely, extremely interesting time for her. And that's why I try to portray in the screenplay is her life. And it was almost like she was the star, you know, international star. And she'd come home and she was like just the kid again. You know what I mean? So that, that had to have been really hard for her to deal with. And then um, she breaks her back and she's forced to, to not skate for a while. Everybody thinks she's done. So she has to go through this whole recovery process for once again, where her, her mother's abusive boyfriend friend makes it really just life really difficult for her to a certain 
point. So uh, she had that obstacle to overcome. And here she is back home again. She's just this kid, kind of a has-been. So she needs to build herself back up again. And she does. It really is a story about overcoming a lot of odds. It really is. She does get back in the game. So yeah, it's a very inspiring story. What do you think audiences will find most moving about Cindy's life story? Well, I think, you know, a big part of it is, you know, how, you know, she suffered that abandonment and was forced to live with poor relatives out on the farm who were wonderful people, by the way. They made her a part, an important part of their family. So that worked out well for her that they were such wonderful people. To see how she just happened upon the game that she didn't exist and how energized she got and excited she got. She had to play in this game. She pursued it relentlessly. She would not give up until she finally twisted her mother's arm. But I'm I'm doing this. I'm doing this. So she did. She up and she also upheld her part of the bargain to finish school when she got back, when she got home. So she had to drop out of school to to do the roller derby thing, to go international. You've talked about a lot of challenges that Cindy faced. What challenges have you faced as you've been marketing the script and trying to get her story to the big screen? I the structure, like in the original structure, I really don't get into the roller derby soon enough. It doesn't happen until she's in it like halfway through. Now I'm restructured it. So we're right in from the first page. We're in the roller derby. And the feedback I've gotten is, oh my gosh, I'm in this game. I'm here. I'm in this arena. I'm in this game. I love this. So it's gotten really, really good feedback. So that was really important. So now the new structure is going to have a lot more of roller derby throughout, not waiting until halfway through. And that's something that I learned actually with feedback from a producer, that there's not enough action up front. So that's why I'm restructuring it. And then you're going to continue to market it after that. And hopefully producers will feel more confident in pursuing it at that point. I think that they will. And another reason is even even if I don't win this competition, but I place, you know, I'm still in the top 20, that's a good marketing tool. The the six-page script itself, the proof of concept script, is an excellent piece, you know, to send to producers to get them to want to see the feature script. So even if it doesn't win the competition, I say, you know, send query producers again that I haven't queried before and say, hey, do you have time to read six pages to get the idea of the script? So that what I'll what I'll do. I'll just keep marketing it. I think it's a, an exceptional life story that people need to see. And it's not like some of the other roller derby movies you've seen that are not so true to life. Have there life. been a lot of roller derby movies? I, I can't recall seeing a lot of them. There there have been a <laughs> There was a movie with Ellen Page a few years ago, I think, right? Yeah, correct. There was. I, and I'm not going to diss anybody, but I don't think her life story was anywhere near as interesting as Cindy's life story. Cindy's life story is all intriguing and so interesting and heart-rendering. You know, when her sister is put in the home, it just crushes and it crushes. And, um, you know, that's something that the, the audience needs to feel. There was all that going on in her life. So, so much loss. She had so much loss at a young age in particular. So uh, finding this outlet, this game that she never knew existed and she they come upon it by accident. She hears that she sees it and she's like, God, do this. There's no way in her bones. She knew she had to do it. So that's, and that's how I portray it, you know, in the screenplay. Cindy, is there anything else that you'd like to say about your life story or about the script, the screenplay that you're excited about? I'm very excited about the restructuring of the screenplay. 
and getting into the action of it. And I really think that this is the time for my story and for Tina's script to be produced because of all the child molestation and everything that's in the news today. And what I went through is a current event. It's not something like old and, you know, people don't want to hear it. I think the timing is uh, excellent for Tina's Screenplay. Tina, what would you like listeners to know about Cindy's story or you and your work? I think this, in addition to what Cindy said about the whole child abuse and abandonment thing being an issue, ongoing issue, is seeing her as becoming strong as a young woman and standing up to the bad guy as a young woman. That's a story that's never going to go out, going to go out of style. And the thing is that she was doing it in the early 60s. Or we're still doing it today, you know. <laughs> I think getting better at overcoming obstacles, but it's just an ongoing process. And actually for anybody who's, who's oppressed, you know, there's you're going to see a lot more people coming into their own. I really believe that. Yeah, it's a story that is timely and timeless. Exactly. And I and I like the idea of having a female forward script that, that really talks about how women's lives are impacted by sports. Yeah, I do too. And we, we could see more of those types of stories, you know, women in sports kinds of stories, I think it'd be great. Yeah, I, I think there's been a, a lack of that in the culture. Maybe I should look for some more of those. Hmm. <laughs> you could have a, a, a new business of writing scripts about female sports figures. Oh, I love the action. I love learning more of the rule and writing the, the roller derby action was a blast to write. I like action in general. I'm actually writing a scene right now for a new script I'm working on, a, a female thriller, woman in peril kind of thing. I just finished the big battle scene where she overcomes the bad person. That stuff's energizing. You're right. I love writing that. So That's fantastic. Cindy, where can listeners find out more about you? Uh, they can go on my website, rollerderbylegend.com. I'll be there. A lot of my information is out there. Great. So find Cindy at rollerderbylegend.com. And Tina, where can listeners find out more about you? I also have a website. It's tinafieldhowgreenwriter.com. And I also have a proof of concept film and pre-production. It's going to be made sometime this year for a rom-com action screenplay that I wrote. And you can go to imdb.com and look up BrideNap. That's one word, BrideNap. And you'll see the poster and other information come up. That's fantastic. It should be a lot of fun. It should be a lot of fun. I just ran a, a crowdfunding campaign and raised about half of the funds to do that. And so that's a go. That's exciting. I'm excited for you. Very, very exciting. Very exciting. Thank you. It was great to have you on the show, Cindy and Tina. Thank you so much for taking time to be a guest on the Curious Professor podcast. Thank, Thank you, you so very much. much. Thank you, Karen. And now for the answer to this episode's trivia question. What boxing star had a roller derby champion in his family? Sugar Ray Robinson's son, Ronnie Robinson, was a derby star in the late 1960s and early 70s. He was inducted into the National Roller Derby Hall of Fame in 2004. We'll end the show with something punny. Why did the woman put roller skates on her rocking chair? Because she wanted to rock and roll. Thank you for joining me for this episode of The Curious Professor Podcast. If there's a person, place, artifact, or natural wonder that has sparked your curiosity and you'd like for me to feature it on the show, please let me know. My website is thecuriousprofessorpodcast.com. 
If you enjoyed the show, be sure to subscribe to the Curious Professor podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you'd like to become part of my community of curiosity seekers, be sure to visit my website, thecuriousprofessorpodcast.com, and join Dr. B's Hive. Until next time, always be learning and be curious with Dr. B. Dr. B.